0: Hello and welcome to the bvc podcast here at Brownsburg vineyard church we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary god our mission is to honor god and advance his kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world whether you are local or joining us from a distance we want to thank you for being a part of our family to learn more about us you can visit the thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message Welcome. So nice to meet you all, man. That's great with the popsicles. If you want to really experience the kindness of Jesus, I think a great way to do it is just cut someone's popsicles for them. You know what I mean? Because if you've ever struggled with a popsicle, you kind of know like it will test your patience, you know. So well done, way to way to do that. That's great. Awesome. Well, I'm so yeah, privileged to be here and be sharing with you all. So my name is Ian Ray, and you guys do not know me at all. So couple of kind of fun things about me. One, I'm married to my lovely wife, Rachel. She's here. She is amazing and by far my better half. Um, And if you let it kind of sink in, you realize her name is Rachel Ray. Yes. Yeah. So somehow she loved me enough to choose that she was going to hear cooking jokes the rest of her life. But we're happy and it's good. It's awesome. We also really love to travel. I've been to 25 different countries, so I love to to travel around, and we also really like to scuba dive. It's like a fun, fun little thing. We scuba, scuba dive or scuba dove. I don't think that's right, but we we went diving on our honeymoon, which was which was awesome. So, also really important for you to know, I once met my doppelganger in middle school at a soccer tournament, and his name was also Ian. I know. So now you guys know. I I was like amazed. We were walking in the in the uh, in the in the uh, the hallway and. All of a sudden, people were like, oh my gosh, this is your here, and his name was Ian, so I checked that off of my bucket list. So now you guys know the important things about Ian Ray, and you kind of know, I'm just kidding, you know a couple things, but I'm really excited to to be here today and get the privilege of sharing, and I didn't realize Dennis was going to be here, so now I'm preaching to the pastor, so he can kind of clean up after me next week if he needs um, but we are in a series called Promises Under Pressure, and Charlie did an awesome job of, of kicking this series off, and this is week two. And so we're in the, the, the book of Philippians, and really this, this, this series is about what does it look like to hold on to God's promise as, as we're experiencing pressure in our lives. And so Paul was was in prison at this point when he was writing the book of Philippians. And so we see that this, this beautiful picture of what promises does God have for us. And so today we're talking about the topic of humility. And yes, I know I heard that. Mm, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So humility, which is a really tough topic to teach on uh, really humility. The best way that you can see someone embodying humility is by the fruit of their life, right? It doesn't matter how eloquently they speak on the topic. Really, the, the, the ones you know that are walking in humility are living it out in their life day after day. And so, but the one thing that I can tell you when it comes to humility is that humility is all about Jesus. I mean, if we were, we we're singing that song and just proclaiming the name of Jesus, humility is it, it's just all about Him. Humility is, it's not about us. It's about Him. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves. And as we do that, we start looking at Jesus. And, and really, the best way to learn what it looks like to live a lifestyle of humility is really sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's being with Him. It's, it's, it's looking and saying, Jesus, the, the man who is the most humble, the man who is the most gentle, the man who's, who, who, who became lowly, who emptied himself, who, who, who sacrificed on the cross for us, and it's sitting with him and saying, Jesus, teach me. Now I recognize Jesus, he's, he's powerful, right? Jesus, he, he came to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God, the gospel, so, to, to live out, and we see signs and wonders that would follow the life of Jesus. But yet somehow he also was embodying humility in this beautiful, beautiful way. And so he did all these things out of a place of of nothingness, out of a place of emptying himself. I mean, it says in Scripture, it says that, that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And if Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing, it means he lived his life looking for what the Father was doing around him. And so that means Jesus' eyes were not upon himself. They were on his Father. And as his eyes were on his Father, he went around in his life. And he said, okay, what, what, what would you have me do? That's humility. And the irony of, of this message on humility or or maybe the grace of of, of God is, is for you to, to look at me and I'm gonna fess up. I am a recovering attention addict. All right, yes, I fess up. Who here else is a recovering attention addict? The irony in that is you just raise your hand and i have no, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. So me, I, 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 I grew up, and I, I always loved to be the center of attention. And then I had a friend, a very kind friend of mine, who, who came up to me and said, Hey, Ian, you do this thing sometimes. This was in high school many years ago. And looked at me and said, Ian, you do this thing where sometimes you're telling a story. You, like, wait until they're done, and then you make it about you. And so every time someone was sharing, I'm just I'm telling to myself, so maybe you don't struggle with this, but they're telling a story, and I'm saying, okay, what stories do I have that are kind of like it? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, okay, well, oh, and I was, I, honestly, I was also a chronic one-upper. Like, every time someone had a story, I had a story that was just a little bigger, a little better. Raise your hand if you know a chronic one-upper. This isn't you, but who, like, okay, you guys know chronic one-uppers, right? That was me. So I'm just, I'm, I'm being honest. And, and so I had to learn, and I, I didn't recognize it in myself, but all of a sudden it was pointed out to me that I made so much of, of conversations and so many social gatherings about myself, and I didn't even realize it. And then when it was pointed out to me, I realized, like, wow, I do this all the time. And so my life has been me just, just sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, I want to live a life of humility because it was not in my nature. And I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still I'm still growing in this. And what's ironic is here I am on this stage to tell you to not make it about you as I'm up here making it about me. That's like in session, right? But, but my, my heart and my hope, I mean, if I could, I, 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 and I mean this, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. And if you get together, like I, I want you to hear this. I would just lay on this stage and I would say, look to the eyes of Jesus. And for the next 35 minutes, learn humility from the person of Jesus, not from me. Because He will teach you. He will mold you. If you sit with Him every single day, He will, he will refine you and, and dig things out of you and prune you. And He'll look at you and He'll affirm you. You get to be with Jesus. The best person to learn humility from is the person of Jesus. So I just want us to, to turn to Him, to, to look to him and, and really, humility is, is you know, your, your, your self claimed identity. Now, here, here's what I want us to hear identity is defined by Jesus. We have our identity from and in Christ, correct? That's, that, that's it. Our, our identity is not defined by us, it's defined by Jesus. We find it, but the question is who are you looking at? Are you looking at others? Are you looking at yourself or are you looking at Jesus? Because humility is defined by who your eyes are on. If you're looking at you, okay, that's not humility. If you're looking at others seeking identity in what other people say about you, that's a lie. That's not truth. But rather, the best way to walk out and embody humility is by us just simply looking at the person of Jesus every day, every second, every hour of our lives. And if you say, okay, I, I, I want to walk in humility. Or maybe I, I confessed and I said, okay, a little bit of my story. And you say, wow, i do that too. It's okay. But, but the question we get to ask is, who are your eyes looking at? Are you looking at the per- person of Jesus? And if we want to imitate Christ's humility, I mean, the passage of Scripture that we're in today is Philippians 2. And, and the, the little header at the top says, imitating Christ's humility. If you want to imitate Christ's humility, we have to know the person who carries himself as the most humble. We have to know the person who embodied a life of humility on this earth. And we get to be with Jesus each and every day. I've heard it, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes in our spiritual walks, in our lives with God, we're, we're going like encounter to encounter. Who, who here has been to a, a, a Christian conference before? They're amazing. Yes, awesome. A lot of the room. They're like awesome. But sometimes we we live our lives and we go to church and we, you know, church kind of gets us to the next encounter, right? Or church gets us to the next conference or our quiet times are like, oh, you know, they're kind of fun and spending time with Jesus. Like, it might be okay, but it's really hard. Like, because I'm a pastor and, and I love the Word of God, but sometimes, sometimes it's like, sometimes I'm tired. And sometimes it's early in the morning, and, 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 and I'm pressing on, but I heard this, and I love this. A bucket still gets full one drop at a time. Like, we're looking for this, like, fire hose conference, and we're like, yes, like, Jesus! And we leave summer camp we, a couple of weeks ago. We got back from summer camp. And, like, me too. I'm like, yes! And that was, like, two weeks ago. And now I'm like, yes! And then in, in, in a week, like, I still want to be a yes we live our lives with this like fire hose mentality, but a bucket still gets full one drop at a time. And so part of humility and living a, a life that is, that is laid down at the feet of Jesus is just spending time with him each and every day. We never become humble enough in the kingdom of God. And so we, we get to meet with him. We continue to seek his face. And a book I would really highly encourage you before we dive into the Bible is a book called Humility. By Andrew Murray, I encourage you to to write that down if you're a reader. And if anything that I'm saying really like, really grabs hold of your heart, just read that book, "Humility" by Andrew Murray. It's a Christian classic. And as I was reading through it, I was like, man, like this this could be the message. And then the next sentence, I'm like, this could be the message. And the next sentence, and I decided I was just not going to preach his message and just tell you to read the book. And it's it's really good. Okay, so "Humility" by by Andrew Murray. So. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. So as you, as you turn there, it's in the, in the New Testament. Little little hack that my mom taught me is you have the epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And I remember God eats potato chips. I mean, there you go. If you said you didn't walk away with anything in church, that's the one thing. You got it. God eats potato chips. I don't know if he actually does, but it's helped me remember the order. A little bit of context with the book of Philippians. So, Philippians was, was Paul's first community that was centralized around the person of Jesus. And we see uh, this church being planted in Acts chapter 16. So, we can see uh, Paul and what he did to, to kind of plant Philippians. And, and the, the, the place of Philippi was known for its nationalism, it was known for its zeal, it's, it, it was patriotic. We're on like July 4th, right? And so we know tomorrow we're about to get real excited about our country. I mean, fireworks until a little too late, if I'm honest. I want to get to sleep. But it's fine. We love our country. I mean, we, we know what it looks like. Like, we're, we're passionate about our country. And so Philippi was, was known as this same thing. They had zeal for their nation. And so Paul, is, he's, he's kind of saying, hey, Jesus is meant to be the king. Jesus is the king of all. He's the king of all of your life. Paul, he starts facing resistance because the people of Philippi loved their leaders. And they're like, what? No, 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 I, I like our king. I, I don't want this person of Jesus. And so this is, this is what we saw. And today we're, we're, we're going to be really focusing on, we'll be reading verse 3 through 11. But, but verse 6 through 11 is often called the Messiah poem. It was called the Messiah poem. And and, and and really what this is, is it's just showing like, okay, who is Jesus? What did he do? And the entire book of Philippians really points back to this Messiah poem. This is kind of the central point of the book of Philippians. And it's referencing, you know, Adam from Genesis 1 through 3 and Isaiah 40 through 55. So it's, it's, it's looking at Jesus, and it's, it's pointing to Him, and, and Isaiah prophesied that that Jesus would be this this suffering servant, and so we know now on this side of the resurrection that that the suffering servant was Jesus. So let's, I just want to pray, and then and then we'll read. So Holy Spirit, we just say, come. We thank you that you're teaching us, informing us, and molding us, reminding us what it looks like to embody humility. And so, Jesus, we look to you. We turn to you. We, t- we turn our gaze and our eyes towards you. And we say, have your way. Refine in us. Mold us. Teach us. Holy Spirit, just show us what it looks like to live a life of humility in the kingdom of God. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So, Philippians chapter 2. I'll read the... Uh, I'll just read 1 one through 11, but we'll talk through 3, 3 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. there's a lot here and I wish we could verse by verse kind of unpack it. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best, but I, I feel like we just get a beautiful picture in this passage of, of who, who Jesus is. I mean, first, what is, what does it begin in? At the beginning, the first couple of verses is would you complete Paul's joy by being one in spirit and one in mind? In other words, he's talking about unity here. And then he goes on and he says, Hey, here's the way towards unity. Don't we need Unity. In this world, don't we need unity in our relationships and friendships? And if you've been on social media in the in the past week, there's there's and here's the thing, I'm not saying sameness. Unity is not sameness, but unity is togetherness rallied around the person of Jesus. And and Paul he says unity. Here's the way. The way is humility. The way is humility, because humility it, it, it makes it not about us. Because it's not about us. And this is this is so beautiful. In verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Okay, well, that alone is like, whoa, I've heard it said before. Is, is you know, Sometimes we want to hold out the Bible and we want to like, project it on other people, but, but our, our Bible is actually it's more like a, a mirror. We don't use it to read other people. We actually let it read us. And so we don't see the selfish uh, ambition part and say, well, they're being selfish. We say, where in my life am I living ambition that is selfish? Where in my life am I living a life of vain conceit in small areas and big? Because here's the thing, Jesus wants it all. He doesn't just want the big. He just doesn't want your job. He doesn't just want your family. He wants the motivation of the small thing you do on Tuesday. That's our Jesus. He wants it all. And so, no selfish ambition. Okay, so it says that's not about me. And humility, what do we do? We value others above ourselves. We're, we're to take this posture of lowliness. Now that posture, that's a kingdom culture. That, that's against our culture, a posture of lowliness. To, to say it's about you and not about me. To, to lower ourselves because everyone around us is saying be someone. My whole generation, millennials. We, we are marked by this like, weird urge that we're going like, to make our mark on the world, which is awesome. I'm not against that. Yes, make your mark on the world, but, but our, our whole like, being is, is made up to answer this question. like Who were you made to be? And so then it's this life of ambition, this life of trying to get like a blue check next to your name, this, this life of trying to, 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 to be this person, to, to make it for yourself. But a life in the kingdom is, is saying, all right, actually have others above yourself. Like we are not to speak, we are not to seek out being lifted high in the kingdom of God. That's not the purpose. We must be willing. Oh, and this hits me hard. Recovering are covering a tension addict, remember? This hits me hard. We're, we're meant to live a life of lowliness. I didn't say loneliness, lowliness. And that's hard to hear. That's not fun. I don't like it. I would much rather, like, you know, be known for being like the cool guy that's on a stage preaching about Jesus. Like, that'd be awesome. But it actually says the metric in the kingdom is how low are you willing to go. And it's not easy. And I, I know only by the power of the Holy Spirit can He help us live that life of humility. But we're not to do it for the affirmation of the fame of others. And so the. The question, even from this, that we can ask ourselves is, do I value others above myself truly? Now, that truly is really important. Because we all would say, I I value others above myself. We could all agree that that's the right answer, right? But that truly is really important because it means, does, does our life actually embody one who values others above myself? It, means, it doesn't mean you don't value yourself. It just means we're living a life of lowliness. Verse 4 goes on to say, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When was the last time that, that you leaned in and treated someone else as the most important in that room? I used to live a life trying to become the most important person in the room. And now I, I realize, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I, 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 I went through this season in my life where, where I recognized I was seeking affirmation of others. And so I wanted them to think I was the cool guy. And then I realized that cool is like this moving target. I work with teenagers. And so I, and I am not cool to them. Like I walked in and I thought like, yeah, I'm pretty cool. And they let me know very quickly that I am not cool. And so I, I learned like I think the target moves every month. Every week at this point. So I might as well stop trying. And so then I just embraced it. But I went through this season in my life, and, and what I would do is I would sit under this tree at the feet of Jesus. And I would literally imagine myself, not just imagine, I would sit. I would have a journal. I would open up Scripture. I would spend time with the Lord. And, and, and then I would just ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, what do you love about me? And you know what's crazy? He never ran out of things that he loved about me. I did this for several months. Every single day I would meet him. And if I, weren't, if I didn't have a tree in my backyard to go under, I would just imagine myself on a tree and I'd say, hey, Jesus, what do you love? About? I'd say, hey, I love this about you. I love this about you. I love this characteristic. I love how you handled this situation. And you know what I found myself doing in that season? When I entered a room, I no longer needed the affirmation of others because I had started my day with the affirmation of Jesus. And if I start my day being affirmed by Jesus, it means there's nothing that you around can give me that Jesus did not already give me this morning. And so then I realize, oh, I can truly make it about the interests of other people because Jesus was as concerned with me. As I'm sitting under that tree, there's, there's, there's poverty, there's war, there's, but Jesus still chose to sit with me and say, hey, Ian, I love this about you. And so... What's beautiful is we get affirmed by Jesus. We, we recognize that we can go in and we can say, okay, you're the most per- important person in the room because I don't actually need your approval. I've already won the approval of Christ. And the greatest example that we have for, for humility, for living this life is, is Jesus. It says in verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, whoa, alright, this one, like, this is a little weird. In your relationship with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 2, it literally says that we, if we profess Jesus as Lord, we have the mind of Christ. Whoa. Do so you mean in my relationships, I can actually think like Christ did? In, 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 in how I walk out, here's Jesus. He, he, he took his last meal. With the person that betrayed him, knowing he would betray him, and still chose to embody humility, grace, mercy, and love. And he actually sat next to him, knowing what he was going to do the next day. And Jesus, the the very man who his best friend's relationship... I mean, Jesus had some like awesome people, but Peter? You know what I'm saying? Like Peter would just like put his foot in the, his mouth all the time. And, and, and Peter, he betrayed uh, he, Jesus. Like... Three days before, not not betrayed, but he basically just let him down. He abandoned him. He said, no, I don't know that guy. And Jesus, he's hung, hanging on this cross. And he's looking down at his friends and his relationships and, and these people. And he's, he's utterly alone. And he looks down and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's our Jesus. And if we have the mind of Christ, it actually means in our relationships, when we're betrayed, we can look and we can say, Father, forgive them. We can look and and we can embody grace and mercy and love because we actually have the mind of Christ. Verse 6 goes on. It says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So this begins the the Messiah poem, verse 6 through uh, or five through eight is about the humility and humiliation of Jesus. And, and, and the rest, nine through 11, is about the exaltation and the glorification of Christ, right? So it's kind of, it's split into these two things. And it says that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. And church history throughout the years, I'm like a nerd. I'm maybe you picked up on that. Like I love to read. I love to, to kind of like dive in. And church history has like really like wrestled this out but what it boils down to, and what we would, we would believe and, and what I believe is that God, he became man. Jesus was fully God, fully man. And so he became man, and he did not want his equality with God to be an advantage. Because, I mean, even looking at the story of Jesus, if he was like just God, like God walking around, which he was, in flesh. But if we look at him, he said, well, he doesn't really have any human qualities Every single time that that we're faced with something, faced with temptation, we say, "Jesus, help me." We would just be like, "Well, it doesn't, you know, like he he's just God. Like, of course, he did it well." But I've heard it said that that uh, only a Jesus who wept could wipe away our tears. And so, because Jesus, he he, he faced every temptation that we did. In in, uh, in in Hebrews four, verse verse fifteen, it it says. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Jesus faced every temptation. And thus, when we're facing these temptations in our life, Jesus also faced that. And he says, I know, my child, I know it's hard. But it's worth it. Only a, a, a Jesus who was faced with the temptation of pride, the opposite of humility, right? We see in Mark 4, where, where Jesus was tempted by the, by the devil. I mean, he, he could have given in. He could have like, had all of the kingdoms of the world bow to him. I mean, that's pretty. Not just center of attention, it's like center of the world. That's pretty awesome. To me, a couple years ago, now I'm like, I don't think I can handle the pressure. But only a Jesus who was faced with the temptation of pride can teach us and show us true humility. Because he was tempted in that same way. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So when we become a servant, when we live a posture of, of lowliness, it's it's not so this this verb uh, what is it? It's, it's taking or, or lab on it. It doesn't just imply an exchange. It's almost like an addition. So in other words, when, when we become a servant, it's not just that we're becoming and taking on the identity of a servant. It's, it's like this, this addition. So when you become a servant, it's not an exchange for your identity, but rather it's, it's a focused addition of how your identity in Christ is expressed. So, so who you are in Christ, it's, it's us living out this place of humility, of, of being a servant. Verse 8 says, In being found in appearances of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He Further, he humbled himself. And he, Jesus, he became obedient to death. It wasn't an ordinary death. This was a death. It was humiliating. To, to the Jews, a, a crucifixion and death on a cross literally meant the curse of God. It was so humiliating that, that Roman citizens could not actually be killed this way. And yet Jesus, in His humility, He, he, he followed in obedience the plan of God to say, I will actually die. I will, will be obedient to death even on a cross. And, and in Luke 9, Jesus, He looks at the disciples and He literally looks them in the eyes and He says, if you want to be a disciple of Me, if you want to be a follower of Me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross. okay. Pick up your weapon of torture. Pick up your, your, your humiliation. Pick, pick this up and follow me. Jesus doesn't say it will be easy. But but part of living a life of humility is saying, I'm going to actually deny myself and make it all about you. I think sometimes what we do is, is there's like a throne. So Jesus, he ascended, right? We see in Acts. He, he ascended, and now He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That's Jesus. And so Jesus is on a throne. But, but when we're not living a life of humility, what we've done is we've, we've elevated ourselves onto the throne of our lives, and we're looking down upon others, whether it's with judgment or, or it's just looking down. But our right posture before Jesus is truly, it's on our knees. It's looking up at the cross. It's looking at Him on the throne and saying, Jesus, it's all about you. Jesus, I, I look at my eyes to You. I want to get lower. I'm not worthy of being with You, and yet You would die for me, and You made me worthy. And so once we look at Jesus, we, look at, we realize what does it look like to actually live a life of humility. Because it's not about us, it's about Him. And if it's about Him, we can actually live this life. We can live a life that is, that is, that is serving others. A life of mercy. A, a life that, that, that is embodying a healthy disciple of Jesus. And all it takes is for us to get off of the throne of our lives. Get on our knees and look up at Jesus. Say, Jesus, I want to look at you. It's all about you. It's always been about you. I'm sorry that I've made it about me. I'm sorry that that I've been prideful. I'm sorry I haven't lived a life of humility. Humility is defined by who your eyes are on. And His death on a cross is a wake-up call. In verse 9 through 11, it's, it's this beautiful picture of of Jesus being exalted, of of us bending our knees and and confessing with our mouths that that Jesus is Lord. Church, when was the last time that you bowed on your knees at the name of Jesus? We don't get tired of of getting down and saying, Jesus, it's all about you. We have these, these grand ideas of our lives and what we want to happen, but you know, of how we want to live, of virtues we want to embody, but we don't begin the pursuit of them unless we first bow down to Jesus. St. Augustine said, if if you plan to build a tall house of virtues, you must first lay deep foundations of humility. That's the foundation. What is humility? Humility is a, a properly postured heart before God. Humility is a, a, a properly positioned soul before others. It's saying it's not about me, it's, it's about Jesus, it's about Christ. And, and the longer we walk with God, the the, the, the humbler we get, the, the less we worry about the, the affirmation of the world. I mean, even the story of Mary and Martha in Luke, Luke chapter 10. It's, you know, Martha's running around and doing all these things, and Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha gets, like, pretty mad. And it's like, hey, can... Can can Mary actually help out here? And Jesus is like, no, she's right where she needs to be. It's at the feet of Jesus. It's it's my feet listening. And so as we as we close, I'm just gonna jump through. There's a lot that I wanted to share, but if you're curious, go to my notes. I think we'll be online. And but really, what what humility is, and I, I think if I can just leave you with this is this quote by J.D grab it. It's my neediness for God is my honor and not my shame. I mean, that is humility. It's being needy upon God. And that is my honor. It is not my shame. We, we live our lives like, oh my gosh, I need I need to make it all about him. Or maybe I, I make it all about me. But but we get put in these places of neediness for God and, and we wear it like shame. We're like embarrassed that we have to be needy. But man, it is my honor to be needy for God, not just in the hard, but also in the good. And we associate our neediness with like hard situations. Like we're in this difficult place or, or difficult aspects or things in my life that are really difficult. But when we're, when we're needy for God, we actually get to recognize that he's the one that honors that neediness. And that neediness upon him is not a bad thing. We, we can even need him in the good. We can need Him in, in, when, when situations are, are going well. That's why, that's why sin management doesn't work. Because the eyes are on us and it's not on Jesus. I mean, it's pride it's, it's to say that I can stop this, but rather that, that if I look to Jesus, he can, He's the one that can walk me into freedom of life. I'm, I'm in for this. Let's get bumper stickers that says, I'm needy for God. I'm needy for Him in the bad and in the good. Even in the good, I'm needy for him because he gets the credit. Whether it's the promotion at work, which was easy to come by, or 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 the hardship in our family, let's be needy for God. The the relationship that's not going really well, let's be needy for God. The relationship that's going well, we're not supposed to stop being needy for God. Let's live our lives defined by being needy for him and. And that, I believe, is a posture of humility, which values others above ourselves. And so, band and, and ministry team, you can you can make your way up. And we're just going to take some time. And, and, and what I want us to do is is really just get our eyes off of ourselves. It's it's actually really funny. We. We're, we're at time, and, and, and I'm glad. And I had some stories that I want to share of times where I had to be really needy of God, but I feel like the Lord is just saying, like, it's not about you. And so we don't even get to hear those. And, and I believe it's for a purpose because if it's not about him, me, it's about Jesus. And it's so tempting to tell stories that make us look good, but how often do we tell stories that are, that are us relying and being needy of Jesus? And that is the humility that God promises to honor. He he will honor our humility. We so often claim to need Him in the trial, but we don't want to need Him on a Tuesday. What if we needed Him on a Tuesday just as much as we needed Him in a trial? And so humility is defined by who your eyes are on is so we're going to spend some time just responding. And, and I encourage you, if anything in this message like stood out to so you, just come to the feet of Jesus. Look to him. Maybe, maybe your eyes have been on yourself. Maybe your eyes have been on others. I, I just encourage you, look to Jesus. And and maybe you've never met him before. It's not about me. It's not about the power encounter. It's, it's about Jesus. And our neediness for God is truly my honor. It's not my shame. Maybe you need to repent of. Of the times that we, we've not become needy on God, and you just need to go to Him and say, Jesus, I'm needy for you. I need you right now. Call out to Jesus, I need you. And as we're here, I, I felt the Lord even speaking that there's someone here that, that maybe has some breathing issues that the Lord wanted to, to bring healing upon. And so, if that's you, come forward to, to the ministry team. I'll be aside. I'm happy to pray. Turn your eyes to Jesus, respond to Him. If you have any other types of prayer needs, emotional, healing, physical, whatever it is, come forward and don't leave without prayer.